beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. This afternoon we deal with the doctrine concerning the Lord's Supper. The celebration of the Lord's Supper is a very important part of our worship. This congregation, it appears, also agrees with that. For whenever we have a Lord's Supper celebration, then this church building is full, fuller usually than other Sundays. The people make every effort to be here for the Lord's Supper. Why do you think that is? No doubt there are many reasons for this. The people know that the elders take careful note of who attends. They have an attendance list. And that if you are not there, that then you will receive a phone call. The elders want to know whether or not there were any legitimate reasons for you not to participate. They want to know whether or not there is something going on in your life that prevents you from partaking. They're concerned about your spiritual well-being. And that is brought to focus, especially on the Lord's Supper Sunday. As a result, we tend to think of the Lord's Supper Sunday as more important than the other Sundays. And that can take on a life of its own. This may sound strange to you, but then we can become like the Roman Catholics who are sacramentalists. According to the Roman Catholics, if you want to be saved, you need the grace of God that you receive through the receiving of the sacraments. And so you had better partake of the sacraments, including the Mass, which is akin to our Lord's Supper. They have elevated the sacraments above the preaching. As a matter of fact, you can be a good Catholic all your life, even if you are never under the preaching. As long as you partake of the various sacraments, then you're okay. Faith is not really necessary, but the sacraments are. As long as you are a good member of the church, which you accomplish by receiving the sacraments, you nothing really have anything to, borrow, to worry about in the end. The question, therefore, for us is, what is the real importance of the Lord's Supper? What is the proper perspective? What do we try to express with the Lord's Supper? What is the true meaning of the Lord's Supper? Well, the answer is found in the theme of this afternoon service. And it is that theme that we will work out in the sermon. The theme is as follows. The Lord's Supper meal signifies our bond with Christ. And then we will see three things. First of all, the preparation of the meal, the participation in the meal, and the celebration of the meal. I'll state that once again. The theme is... The Lord's Supper meal signifies our bond with Christ. Three things, the preparation, the participation, and the celebration. In the passage that we read together from Genesis, the Lord God shows the great bond between a man and a woman. The Lord God saw that man should not be alone. And so he took a rib from the man and made a woman out of it. When Adam had laid his eyes on that woman, he exclaimed, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. 
Adam expressed his great joy in the words that he used. Finally, he has someone just like him. It's his own flesh. It's his own bones. Adam immediately realizes that this woman that God had made fit him perfectly. It's truly a match made in heaven. And it's love at first sight. Adam speaks here the language of love. In spite of sin, the same thing is still true between a husband and a wife. In a good marriage, the longer you are married, the stronger the bond you have with one another. For that reason, the Apostle Paul speaks about marriage in such glowing terms and compares the relationship between husbands and wives to the relationship the Lord God has with his church. It's a relationship of love. It's an unbreakable bond. It's a bond wherein you deeply care for one another. You look out for each other's well-being and are willing to sacrifice yourselves for each other. What does this have to do with the Lord's Supper, you may say? Well, look at answer 76. The second part of that answer says, And therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. The same language is used as is used with regard to the man and the woman in Genesis 2. Flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. You may say, well, Christ is in heaven and we are on earth. There is a great distance. And that's true. But do you know what Christ has with him in heaven? When he ascended into heaven, he did so bodily. In other words, he took his flesh with him. His flesh is now still with him in heaven. And do you know why? Because of the incredible bond that exists between God and his people. Christ has his flesh in heaven as a pledge. And that is why also the catechism speaks here about a pledge. It is a pledge that we are betrothed together, that we belong together. He is the groom and we are the bride. He longs for us to be with him in heaven. And that is why he has also prepared a place for us. It is like the longing a husband has for his wife or a wife for a husband when they are away from each other. They want to be together. And if they can't be together for some reason, then they seek every possible way to be still in contact by phone or email or letters. There is indeed a great distance right now between the Lord Jesus and us. He is in heaven and we are on earth. But soon we will see him in the flesh. However, while we are still here on earth, we must want to seek contact with him as well. For we belong to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, like a husband and a wife belong to each other. The Lord Jesus longs for us to be with him. Also right now. And he wants us to have contact with him in every way possible. But such longing and such seeking should also come from our side. And that is why, brothers and sisters, we too should 
avail ourselves of every opportunity the Lord gives us to be near to him. We must seek every opportunity to connect with him and to hear his voice and to be aware of his presence and his love. And that is why we especially should want to be under the preaching. For it is under the preaching that the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to us. In the preaching, he tells us of his great love for us. And he tells us what our relationship with him should look like every day. He tells us about his faithfulness and how we should be faithful to him. He tells us about the great sacrifice that he made in order to establish that incredible bond with us. The Lord's Supper signifies all that. But the Lord's Supper has no meaning without the preaching. As I also told the catechism students last week, the Lord's Supper functions like a picture in the books of little children who need to understand the written word better. The picture illustrates the words. Well, that's what the Lord's Supper does as well. The Lord's Supper illustrates the most important tenets of the gospel concerning our salvation. But if you only have the picture and not a description of what it is all about, then you still don't fully understand. And so we need the preaching, first of all. And for that reason, only believers can partake of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is there for the strengthening of your faith. You cannot strengthen something that doesn't exist. Only the preaching has the double function of creating and strengthening faith. The sacraments only have the latter functioning, the strengthening. It cannot create faith. And so it is subordinate to the preaching. The preaching is most important. And for that reason, you should be just as diligent in your attendance when there is no Lord's Supper than when there is. You see, the Lord God wants you to hear his voice in the first place. For in the preaching illustrated in the Lord's Supper, the Lord reminds you of the fact that, as it says in answer 75, that he made these promises, namely, that as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. The Lord God wants you to know of his great sacrifice and his great love for you. He wants you to know how precious you are to him and that in spite of the fact that he is in heaven and you are on earth, you are also very near and dear to him. The Lord Jesus himself works that out beautifully in John 6, where he speaks about the bread from heaven. He offers his body and his blood so that we can now be one with him. He is the one who offers himself first. He is the one who prepares the meal. He is the one who comes to you. It's all God's doing. One of the most beautiful and profound statements in all of the Bible is found in John 6, verse 44, where the Lord Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
The Lord entices us with his word and spirit and with all the other blessings he lavishes on us. He comes to us with a most delectable, delectable meal. Brothers and sisters, all we can just do is stand back in awe of the Lord our God and see him at work. We see his marvelous work of salvation, of creating that wonderful bond between him and his people. And that is why we must remember what he has done. We must remember that as we listen to the preaching and as we partake in the Lord's Supper. He invites all those who believe. He invites you. And at the Lord's Supper table, the Lord God is the host. He is the one who prepared the meal, and he wants everyone who is thankful to him for that to partake of that meal. And he invites all kinds of people. He invites them from all corners of the world, no matter what race or nationality or economic strata they come from. He chooses sinners, for all men are sinners. It doesn't matter how great your sin As long as you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and humble yourself before him, he wants you to partake of that wonderful meal. It's not that you are allowed to stay away. No, you have to participate as well. We come to the second point. Participation in the Lord's Supper is important. It is not, a, it is not so, of course, that if for some reason you are not able to participate that then your salvation is at stake. We don't believe that the sacrament as such saves you. It is a matter of the heart. It can also be that there are those who never miss a Lord's Supper celebration, but whose hearts are not right before the Lord. And then they receive the Lord's Supper to their condemnation. We will deal with that, the Lord willing, the next time, when we deal with Lord's Day 30. But if you love the Lord... And then you will also take every opportunity to connect with him in the most meaningful way possible. Brothers and sisters, the Lord God gives you a wonderful banquet. He wants you to take a seat at his table. The Lord God brings you near to him. He has prepared you a meal. If you scorn his invitation, then you scorn him. Can you imagine if your mother prepared her family a festive meal, going all out to cook the best meal possible and that then you don't show up, that you ignore her invitation, that would be insulting and rude to say the least. Well, all the more so with the meal that the Lord God prepares for you. And you need that meal. Just like you need to eat and drink physical food regularly in order to stay alive physically, You, eat, you need to eat and drink spiritual food in order to stay alive spiritually. It says in answer 79 that through the working of the Holy Spirit, we share in his true body and blood as surely as we receive with our mouth these holy signs in remembrance of him. In other words, spiritual bread and wine nourish us. As it says in answer 75, he himself nourishes and refreshes my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body and shed blood. We need that nourishment to the end of our lives here on earth. For that is the only kind of thing we will enjoy in the life hereafter. 
And then we will no longer need any physical food or drink. But then we will eat and drink the Lord our God spiritually throughout eternity. And so the Catechism correctly says that Christ himself now nourishes and refreshes my soul to everlasting life. The Lord God is preparing us for eternity. That is also what the Lord Jesus said to his disciples in John 6, verse 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Brothers and sisters, we must become more and more one with him. For that reason, the Holy Spirit is also mentioned in this part of the Lord's day several times. In answer 76, it states that the significance of the Lord's Supper is so that we are united more and more to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit, who lives both in Christ and in us. The Heidelberg Catechism text is directly from the mouth of the Lord Jesus himself, for he said in John 16, verse 56, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. As the Catechism also says, we forever live and are governed by one spirit as the members of our body are governed by one soul. At this point you may say, well, that's all nice and sound theological language. I'm sure what the minister is saying is all good and true, but you have your difficulties. Of course you know that you have to be one with Christ. Of course you know that you have to be under the preaching regularly and that you have to partake of the Lord's Supper. But there are so many things that get in the way. It's not always the celebration that you know it should be. And that brings us to our third and final point, the celebration of the meal. It will happen that we go to the Lord's Supper table and that it hardly makes an impact on us. We do it because we're used to it. It's part of our way of life. We go to church, we attend Lord's Supper, we have our children baptized, but the great joy is living. Well, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, you need to wake up time and again. Wake up, concentrate. Think about what God is doing. Be reminded of what he is doing. He has invited you. He has invited you to a wonderful meal. And it is a celebratory meal. Think about the almighty creator who has made you a part of his covenant people. Listen to the preaching and apply it in your life. And don't give up the struggle. Don't allow the devil to lull you to sleep. Don't become like a robot. Be alive in Christ. Kindle the relationship between you and the Lord. You also have to do that in your other relationships, in your marriage. And you have to do that with your children and your loved ones and your friends and your brothers and sisters in the Lord and your fellow workers. You have to work at these relationships. If you don't, those relationships will peter out. And that would be devastating with regard to the relationship with the Lord your God. And so participate. Be an active member of Christ. And be an active member of his body. The Holy Spirit calls you to unity. Unity with the Lord your God. And unity with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. 
That is not something that just happens to you. No, you also have to make that happen. Before the deacons cut the bread used during the Lord's Supper, that bread was one whole loaf. The pieces of bread were then still stuck together. And when you eat that bread that same morning, then you should remember that only a little time before that, that little piece of bread you are now eating was only moments before stuck together with the piece of bread of your neighbor at the Lord's Supper table. And that person next to you may be the same person with whom you otherwise you would have little or nothing to do with during the week because you have certain grudges against that person. But at the Lord's Supper table, the Lord God makes you stick together just like that bread was stuck together. And that's the Lord's doing. But you also have to make that happen with your brother in the Lord. Why? Because of the wonderful celebration of the forgiveness of sins as signified in the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord God forgives you your sins and your shortcomings and your idiosyncrasies. He forgives you your irritating ways as well. And you should do the same with your brother or sister in the Lord. When the American soldiers defeated the Taliban in Afghanistan, then there was joy in the land. People once again received the freedom that they hadn't had for years. Oh, sure, they were not able to celebrate openly too much, for the Taliban still instilled fear in their hearts. They were still around in the shadows, and that's still the case in Afghanistan. But, as the latest polls show, the Afghans are happy for their rescue from such an oppressive enemy. They are celebrating. They're not celebrating yet to the fullest because of the enemy who is still lurking, but there is joy in the land. Well, brothers and sisters, the same is true with us. We we have received freedom from Satan through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He defeated the enemy. He has won the victory. Oh, sure, the enemy is still lurking all around us. He is still in the shadows and is always thinking of ways to destroy us. For Satan is still able to make his presence felt in a myriad of ways. But the wonderful news for you this afternoon is that the Lord Jesus has already defeated Satan. And in that regard, we are much more certain of our victory than the Afghans. Our victory is already secured. No one can take that away from us. For we know that Satan can never again defeat those who are citizens of God's kingdom. And so we can celebrate. We do not have to fear our enemy. Brothers and sisters, the Lord God has invited you to a victorious meal. Do you want to participate in that? Do you want to participate in that to the fullest? Then accept this invitation. Take every opportunity that you have in order to experience the great and wonderful bond you have with your Lord and Savior. Celebrate your freedom in Christ. Celebrate his victory. Do that to eternity. Amen.